0: Hey, it's Cindy, and welcome to episode 111 of the Tiny Course Empire podcast. Today, I'm doing something a little different. Today, we are giving you a sneak peek into what happens inside our Six Figure Systems program. I have pulled out a recent Q&A call, and I'm sharing the audio with you here for a couple of different reasons. Number one, because there's some really great information In this call, we talked about things like how to stay focused and do your most important work, how to manage list building, how to grow your list faster. I gave some ideas for doing that. We talked about using marketplaces to sell your products when you don't yet have an audience to sell to. We talked about um, Google and Yahoo's upcoming email changes, which I've talked about before on the podcast, and we talked about how to choose one thing to focus on when like many entrepreneurs you have just too many ideas going on and you're finding it hard to pick one the other reason i am sharing this content with you today is because six figure systems has been closed to new members for several months now we recently recently reopened with all new pricing tiers And if you have not yet had a chance to check us out or if you were a member before and for whatever reason you had to leave us, now is a really good time to come and see what we're all about again. And this episode of the podcast is going to give you a peek inside and show you what we are all about. If you'd like to come join us. You as a podcast listener can sign up for a $7 seven-day trial by visiting tinycourseempire.com forward slash join. That will give you full access to everything we offer inside Six Figure Systems. You can browse through all of the courses. You can watch all of the replays of the workshops, of the Q&A calls. You can download all of the toolkits for seven days for just $7. So it gives you a really good look at what is available to you and plenty of time to explore all of the resources that we have inside. So I hope to see you on the inside. In the meantime, give a listen to this Q&A call from earlier this year. I think you will find the information in it useful in your online business. And I will talk to you again next week. Welcome to the Tiny Course Empire podcast, a weekly show dedicated to helping you launch and grow your digital course business, even if you don't have a big team or a six-figure ads budget. We'll help you design smart systems, take consistent action, and achieve massive success on your own terms. Now, here's your host, Cindy Bedar. Hey, welcome to our Six Figure Systems Q&A call for... Monday, January 15th, 2024. I'm going to... uh, Six Figure Systems has been closed to new registrations for a while, so I'm going to skip the part where I introduce myself to new people because you guys have all been here before. Uh, I will tell you that I do have my husband in the chat. He is monitoring, looking for questions. If you have any, I do have some questions that people submitted ahead of time. We're going to answer those first, and then I will get to the questions that you post in the chat. If you have a question you don't want to post it in the chat, you want to talk to me, raise your hand or unmute yourself, and we will talk about it. So with that said, let's get started. I have Pauline's question up first. And since Pauline is here, I'm going to ask her to unmute herself and talk to me about this because I'm not sure I really understand what your question is.
1: Okay. Uh, Maybe I should bring up the question the way I wrote it. Um, I guess one of the issues I've been having in terms of, and it started when back in, when was it? October, November that you did the, October, I think it was, that you did planning for 2024. Mm-hmm. And I've been struggling um, with the planning aspect, with setting goals, and I didn't really know why. Um, and then I listened to the the, the podcast, one of uh, Cal Cal Newport's podcasts um, that explains his his uh, his deep stack system, or mm-hmm. deep, yeah, his deep stack. Um, right. And something clicked there where he talks about um, having discipline and having values and having uh, attaining calm. Mm-hmm. and then getting to the planning stage and i think i'm having problems with the calm stage
0: what does which that mean would then
1: explain why i'm not really comfortable with the way i did the planning stage
0: okay so what does the calm stage mean to you i don't remember the podcast episode so i'm i'm kind of flying right. blind
1: <laughs> okay yeah that's why i wasn't sure if this was a good question for you or not on this on the call um the calm stage i think is where you <clears throat> excuse me um, where you um, decide what you want to get rid of and get rid of in your life, what you want to keep, um, how to basically get that feeling that you're doing what you should be doing, that you're doing all your rituals properly, that your schedule is working properly. Um, if you're organizing time blocks or deeper time blocks that they're, that they're working because you so, basically divided things that you do into what you shouldn't be doing, what you should be
0: doing during, got it, during different got it. times. So if I'm understanding you correctly you are feeling like I'm forgetting something I'm missing something something's not something's something's fallen through the cracks here
1: right because what one of the things he says is if you if you ignore that stage and then go to the planning stage mm-hmm. then very often during the planning stage uh you'll start feeling really overwhelmed you'll start feeling uh, like you're spinning your wheels, you're not doing what you should be doing. And that's mm-hmm. exactly the feeling I'm getting. So I'm wondering if you have any tips on the previous stage.
0: So one of the the early people that I followed online, well, not even online, I don't think he was ever really online, uh, is David Allen. He wrote a book called Getting Things Done. And the concept that he introduces in that book, he refers to it as mind like water. And mind like water turns out to be a concept from that he borrowed from um, martial arts. I was going to say, yeah,
1: Asian. Yeah,
0: where it's all about being calm and focused and able to pay attention only to what is happening right now and not be worried about all of this other stuff that is off on the, on the perimeter. And having worked with you, I know that you spend a lot of time and and it's not just you. I'm not picking on you, Pauline. Everybody does this. Spend a lot of time thinking about, but what if, what if this and what if that, and what if, what if something else happens and I need to think about this thing right now. And I, and the, the real problem with that is it keeps you from focusing on what is happening right now. So what you have to learn to do, and this is easy, far easier said than done is to kind of put your blinders on and only focus on what you are working on right now. The rest of the things will still be there. Obviously, if there's, true fires true emergencies that have to be dealt with then we have to deal with those but i i i get the impression that most of the things that are pulling your attention away are not emergencies they're just oh but what if this is a better idea what if this is more um important right now what if what if this could get me to my goal faster maybe i should be doing that instead and the problem with that kind of thinking is, number one, you don't know. You don't know the answer to that. And number two, when you allow that to get into your head, when you allow that thought process to take place, it keeps you stuck and you don't make any progress on on your goal. You don't make any progress towards that course that you want to create or towards that book that you want to write or towards that blog that you want to launch. There's There's no progress made because you're always skipping from one um you know from one project to the next and not really getting any of those projects done you're not making progress on any of them the 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 picture that always comes to mind is is a it's a meme i saw somewhere um of a kid kicking a soccer ball down a field and and when you have one soccer ball and you kick it repeatedly you can you can get that soccer ball, depending on, you know, how good you are, obviously, you can get that soccer ball down the field in a matter of minutes. But if you've got 30 soccer balls, and you kick one, and then you kick the next one, and then you kick the next one, and then you kick the next one, by the time you get all 30 of those balls down the soccer field, it's been weeks. So I think that's what we... That's kind of what we run into, especially as entrepreneurs, especially in the online space where it's so easy to start something, where it's so easy to jump from project to project to project, where there's little to no, um, you know, kind of accountability. There's no boss that's standing over your shoulder saying, you got to get this project done. You got to get this report finished. You got to get this, you know, you got to get this uh, presentation done for the meeting tomorrow. There's, There's none of that. So it's up to us to um, keep ourselves accountable, to keep ourselves on track, to keep ourselves focused. And that's really hard to do, especially, like I said, for entrepreneurs, because we have so many ideas and there are so many possibilities and there are so many opportunities, right? So I'm not sure that's at all helpful, Pauline. I I mean, I kind of of told you why it happens, but stopping it from happening is really... It's it's really up to you. It's up to you to kind of rein yourself in and say, you know what, I'm not going to I'm not going to think about this other project right now. I'm putting that on the side and I'm going to finish the project that I'm working on.
1: So curating better. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 I like the soccer ball. I was thinking the one I heard was or the one that always comes to my mind is the dog and the squirrel. The dog that sees the squirrel. Oh, squirrel there! Squirrel there! Squirrel
0: there! Oh, yeah. squirrel! 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 Yeah, yeah, and that's so common it became a like a cultural touchstone, right? for For a while after that, there was a that came from a movie, and after that movie came out, it was so it it was it resonated with so many people. You could people would say, you know, oh, squirrel, as a way to explain I got distracted by something. So, I mean, that just tells you how common that feeling is and and how mm-hmm. how much we all as human beings struggle with it okay, thank you so how can you so when you're when you're talking about deep work right you're this this Cal Newport idea of doing deep work, and I mm-hmm. think that's where you're really you're kind of beating yourself up over not being able to do three hours of deep work without getting distracted. So what if you instead said, you know, what if you set a timer and said, I'm going to do 20 minutes of deep work? Because it's really hard. It's really hard to focus for a long period of time. If you're not used to focusing for a long period of time. You have to well, build up those focus muscles.
1: What's What's interesting for me, and that's where I don't understand why I'm having so much trouble. When I was doing the coursework for these, for the certifications, mm-hmm. um, for the behavior and for the nursing, uh, there were always we had assignments, and I was able to basically I would have to take one assignment, took one day per assignment, and I was able to go from the morning until night. I had to put on alarms so that I would remember to, you know, feed the cats and feed the dog, mm-hmm. take the dog out. But otherwise I was basically able to go from morning to night. No problem. Mm-hmm. Focused, get it done. But there was a deadline.
0: There was a deadline. There was an external deadline. Someone else was holding you accountable. <laughs> Sebastian says you're right. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. It's just like when you're in school or you have a job, there's an external deadline that you are expected to meet. And there are consequences if you don't meet it.
1: So how do we get better at imposing deadlines on ourselves?
0: I would be a billionaire if I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> you know, there's, there's a lot of tricks that, That people have used. There's a lot of strategies I've read, you know, rewarding yourself, um, setting a timer, um, having an accountability partner. There's just all kinds of things that you can do to motivate yourself, I guess. But in the end, you have to motivate yourself. You, you have to be able to hold yourself accountable. And I was, I was just researching that or thinking about that word the other day, holding yourself accountable. Accountability isn't, it's not, you know, do this or you're going to be punished. It's, these are the things that I want to do and I understand the consequences of not doing them and the consequences of not doing them as entrepreneurs, the consequences of not creating a course, the consequences of not sending the email, the consequences of not, you know, creating the content or whatever it is that, that we are working on. Those consequences aren't typically immediate and they're not typically super painful. Unlike if you don't do your coursework for a certification and you don't get certified, that's a more immediate, more painful consequence than the consequence of not writing that blog post is. So it's a lot easier to ignore the the tasks and the projects that we're doing for ourselves because those consequences are, yeah, it's, that's, it's in the future. It's like, you know, it's like if you, if you decide that you're going to eat healthy and instead you eat seven donuts for breakfast, the consequences of that way in the future, way in the future. No, not a big deal today. You might get a little upset stomach, but so what you got seven donuts, you got to enjoy them, right? It's the same. It's a similar concept.
1: Do you think there's also a part of it that is related to systems? Because I just, I noticed that when, when I started listening, when I started, well, when I joined you and I started like thinking about the systems, I realized that things that I, for example, don't enjoy doing, like say, um, cleaning seven toilets every evening, um, from cats. Mm -hmm. But if I I developed a system that I realized that if I did it just before feeding them for dinner, um, it became i don't want to say painless but it became a system i just do it and it's fine now
0: it became a habit but before,
1: yeah it became a habit i got it had a system going that you do this you do this you do that
0: mm-hmm. and it works mhm almost yeah. i wouldn't say no and, motivation needed really and 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 that <clears throat> um that combined with the immediate consequences of what happens when you don't clean the cat boxes <laughs> right, those two <laughs> things combined. Yeah, Pauline's cleaning the That's cat true. boxes every day. But yes, I I agree that that having a system um definitely makes a difference. Um one of the things that that Stephen King talks about as a in, in terms of writing, you know, when people People say, I want to write a book, but they never manage to make time to write a book. One of the things that he will talk about is I don't is how he he doesn't wait for inspiration to show up. He doesn't wait to feel like he's gonna write. He sits down every morning at eight o'clock and he writes. And he said the 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 result of that is that eventually, when you do that enough, your brain kicks in and says, Oh, it's eight o'clock. It must be time to write. So yeah, having those systems absolutely makes a difference. That makes a difference in in my own work as well. Just this morning before we got on this call, Monday morning is email writing time. So I sit down at my desk at 7 a.m. and I start writing emails. And I wrote 10 emails before we started this call because my brain kicks in and says, oh, it's Monday, must be time to write emails. Tomorrow morning, I'll sit down and my brain will say, oh, it's Tuesday, it must be time to record a podcast. So that's the mode that I'm in. Yes, Tish, I wrote 10 emails before this call. Not all of them (laughs) super long. So how can you put a system in place, Pauline? How can you make three o'clock every afternoon or three days a week, the time that you sit down and work on your business and put your blinders on?
1: getting up at four o'clock in the morning
0: (laughs) well that's not all bad i get up at five
1: yeah i get up at five and then heaven forbid i sleep in half an hour longer than that and then everything falls apart only
0: if you tell yourself it did
1: I think I have to do exactly what I do for all the other areas of my life, like the exercise, the physiotherapy, the cats, taking care of them and doing Mm -hmm. it with work, making it a a habit. Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: If you need, you may have already read this book, but if you need help creating those habits, Atomic Habits by James Clear.
1: That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I should reread it. Thank you. Yep. All right, Mr. Herring likes to put me on the spot. What are three current list-building strategies and three lesser-known list-building strategies? Please and thank you. I feel like I should write an article about that. All right, so three current list-building strategies. Content marketing. So so list-building, if you Google how to build an email list, you're going to get, for whatever reason, articles about 101 ways to grow your email list and 67 ways to grow your email list and they're all going to say things like well you got to put an opt-in offer in your sidebar and you got to have a welcome mat that you know you got to have a pop-up and you got to have exit pop-ups on your sales pages and all of those are tools to build your email list but they are not list building strategies. List building strategies are all about traffic because it doesn't matter how many pop-ups you have on your site. It doesn't matter how many things you have in your sidebar. It doesn't matter how many content upgrades you have. None of that does you any good if you don't have any traffic. So list building comes down to driving traffic to your website. So my three favorite methods for that are content marketing, Create more content. Put more content out in the world. That will bring traffic to you. Bundle summits and giveaways are always going to be good for getting a burst of of, um, subscribers all at one time. I have added as many as a 1,000 subscribers to my list in two or three days with a good bundle. Um, Interviews. Are another good way, get interviewed on podcasts, do do guest blogging, get interviewed in text, interviewed on YouTube, interviewed in somebody's Facebook group. Those are good ways to get traffic to your site, too. And then as for the lesser known strategies, sell stuff. Put things up for sale. That's a really good way to build your email list. Sell things. Oh. Uh, Write a book. This is one that I have been this is an idea that's been bouncing around in my head for a long time. We just talked about Atomic Habits. Mm-hmm. If, you, if you buy Atomic Habits, if you get it on Kindle, if you buy it in hardcover, it doesn't matter. Um, James Clear has offers throughout that book to get more information from him, to get worksheets and checklists and it's been a long time since I read that book. So I don't remember exactly now what all he offers, but okay. it is all dependent on going to his website and putting your email in a form to get that stuff.
2: Cool. I like that
0: one. Um, Contests and challenges. That's another good way. That's going to depend on probably, you know, it, it requires traffic as well, but there are tools that you can use to encourage people to share your contest or your giveaway or your challenge. Um, there's tools like UpViral where you give people a prize for sharing. You know, people People come and sign up for your challenge and then you say, hey, I'll give you this cool bonus if you share my challenge with five of your friends and they send email to Five people, you give them their bonus, and now you've got five more people that, that saw your saw your challenge offer. Like That's that. a really good way to build your list as well.
2: Could you do that with, with simple articles? Use up viral or whatever that you send this article to three people and they and they sign up.
0: You might be able to. Okay.
2: Worth a try. You Worth
0: can a- do it. You can do it with Convert on really? their, on their higher tier, so I'm at their. I just moved to ConvertKit. Okay, you guys know that. I'm on their their lowest tier, whatever it's called. I can't remember. But they have their their mid level tier offers you the option to put a link in your email that says, "Share this email with a friend, and I will give you a a bonus of some kind." If you if you share it five times, if you you get one thing. If you share it ten times, you get something different. I see a lot yeah. of email marketers doing that sort of thing.
2: I like that. I, I've I've been with them twice, and then moved away. But now I'm moving back, so that might be the the final push right there. They,
0: the, now again, that's not on the lowest level tier. You don't get that. You have, have to move. You understand. have to bump up a, a level.
2: I understand. Um. So yeah, because th- thank you for. Those six plus because that's the one one of my big areas of focus for twenty-four is you know growing the traffic
0: in the list. Should be an area of focus for all of us. Catherine, how do you track that? The the apps that you use track it. So for example, with Up Viral, they take care of the tracking. They take care of the delivery of the bonus. And the same thing with Convert Kit if you are using their um refer a friend system they take care of it you could i suppose if you had if you had an aff- you, if you had an affiliate program like we have with a member you could set something up with that but that just feels clunky and needlessly complex so leave it to the leave it to the apps that are specialized in that and they will take care of it for you so there's got to be though other than convert kit or you know i'm currently on mailchimp but very mm-hmm. unhappy with them um and looking at some uh wordpress plugin apps that are actually you know a year or two ago they were kind of crap mm-hmm. that do that kind of job but um i will add that to my of research items yeah, I I would think you can find a you could find a WordPress app or you WordPress plugin that would that would do that. That would be my guess. All right, Jeff had another question about Gumroad, and I am I don't know anything about Gumroad, but I invited Kurt to tell you all about his experience with it because he has recently been posting his book on Gumroad. So, so what do you know about Gumroad, Kurt?
3: Um, I've heard a lot of people talk about it for a while, and I have a, a book that I wrote, and I've been selling it, and I thought, well, maybe I'll put it up on Gumroad and see what happens. And I have found Gumroad to be a little bit difficult. And maybe it's just me, but um, you know, it's one of those deals where you look for a training video, even Gumroad's videos, and the screen doesn't match what your current situation is. That just drives me up a wall. Um, and and understanding some of their uh, verbiage, right? So you think uh, edit emails would be about setting emails up like if your book sells to send out an email. Um, but that's not what it is. It's, it's just purely, you know, sending out emails to people who have signed up to be on your gumroad email list. Um, so I'm still fighting with it a little bit. I, I put up, um, I put the book up. I think I've done everything I'm supposed to, but I can't find my book. You know, if you're going to look for a book to read or uh, and some of them are free uh, or or to buy, you know, you there's a discover tab on on Gumroad and I can't find my own book on Gumroad. Uh, So I'm trying to figure out what what that is, but uh, I'd be willing to discuss it with you sometime. Maybe we could work on it together.
2: Yeah, that's a good idea, Kurt. Thank you. Let's do that because, you know, I've heard people talk about it, and um, I had one client using it, and it just got me interested. So I'm thinking about different stuff I could put over there. might put something up today. Simple. Um, But, yeah, and the other reason I want to use it was to get to know it so I could recommend it to clients that were, you know, maybe just starting out and didn't have all the the resources to put up a product. Well, you know,
3: I – I was struck by by all of the free books that are there, and it occurs to me that there could be reasons for that, right? To build up some brand awareness. Maybe it's also a list building tactic, you know, to uh, put up a book on something or other, and for more information, like James Clear is doing, uh, you know, opt into the list and and get a A lead magnet that i have of some sort so i'm still playing with a little bit i'm new to it but yeah let's uh work on this together
2: okay i'll reach out thanks man
3: thank
0: you awesome thanks Kurt. uh for those of you who don't know i probably should have prefaced with this uh gumroad is a uh it's a marketplace where you can sell digital downloads, books, um, templates, that sort of thing. I don't know if they do courses. I haven't really dug into it that much, um, but it is a – the advantage of, of something like Gumroad is they take care of the shopping cart. They take care of the – you have to bring your own payment processor, I'm assuming. You have to hook up your PayPal or whatever, Um, but they bring the shopping cart and it is a marketplace. They have a directory where people can go and search for content or for, um, books or templates or whatever it is they're looking for. They can go and search for that. And, and hopefully your, your product will show up. That's what Kurt's struggling with getting his, his book to show up in the directory. Um, but that's the advantage of going with something like Gumroad as opposed to just putting something for sale up on your own site. It's, it's an, uh, lower barrier to entry and a built-in audience. So I'll put the link to, well, it's gumroad.com, but I'll also put the link in the, in the replay page.
3: You can put up, um, courses and I believe you can put up physical products. Oh, okay. Awesome. Kind of surprised me.
2: Um, Memberships, too.
3: Yeah. Really? Yeah. Wow. It's full-featured. Well, they claim that they have 162,624 creators that have collectively earned $902 million and change. Yeah. And if you do that, that's $5,549 a piece. So, obviously, some people are doing better than that, and some people are doing less they have a lot of you know free training videos and they have uh no no cost books that you can uh download so i've been trying to go through some of those but um we'll see but um yeah i you know it's of interest so anybody on this call who wants to talk about it, you know, let's help each other out.
0: Yeah. Keep us posted on how it goes. I'm interested in the, I'm interested in the idea. Interested to learn more about it. All right. Deborah wants to know about issues with Google and Yahoo email updates. So I told you guys that I was in the process of learning more about this, that I was, uh, Signed up to be on a webinar with an email provider where they were interviewing some big shots from Google and they talked about this. And I did attend that webinar. At least I attended the first half of it. I haven't watched the second half yet. Um, So what I know, and I'm going to, that's, this is the topic of this week's podcast episode too. So if, um, if you are interested in learning more, I would encourage you to listen to that. It'll be out on Thursday but the basic idea here is that google and yahoo are implementing some changes to their um to their email which will make it i don't want to say more difficult i guess that maybe that's the best way to say it that will make it more difficult for you to get your email in someone's inbox as opposed to in their spam folder or not delivered at all, Um, because sometimes emails just don't get delivered at all. So these changes impact email marketers, right? They're not you sending email to your Aunt Clara, they're you sending bulk email to customers, to subscribers, right? So so it's you sending email from ConvertKit or you sending email from ActiveCampaign or you sending email from MailerLite or MailChimp. These are the emails that are impacted by this. And the delivery of those emails specifically to Gmail and to Yahoo addresses. So it's not... People with Hotmail addresses, it's not people with MSN addresses, Uh, it's not people, it may be people with their own domain address if they use Google Workspace for their email. So Gmail, Yahoo, and potentially some domain email addresses will be impacted by this change. And when I say change, it's not really a change. What they're doing is they are enforcing what used to be best practices. So, a best practice for an email marketer used to be to put an SPF record and a DKIM record on their uh, on their website on their server. To identify themselves, to say this email from this server with my email address on it is really coming from me to help avoid people sending email and pretending it's from you. Right. So it so those those DNS records match up your IP address with your email address, with your domain and then Google can look at all of that information and say, yep, the IP address matches the domain, so this must be a legitimate email, so therefore we're going to deliver it. If you don't have those um, those DNS records, those SPF records, the DKIM records, if you don't have those, then Google and Yahoo will look at it and go, well, we don't. we can't really prove that this is from the person that it says it's from, so maybe we're going to deliver it, maybe we're not. Now, it's always been best practice to have those DNS records on your server so that your email gets delivered more frequently, better, you know, quicker, whatever. What's happening is Google and Yahoo are now saying these are no longer just best practices. These are now required. But they're not required for everybody. So this may not impact you at all. They are required for anybody whoever sends more than 5,000 emails in a day. So my email list is about 8,000 people. I am required to have this on my server. I am required to have SPF records, DKIM records, and something called DMARC, which I don't know what that is yet. I I haven't got that far in my research, but that's now a requirement as well. It's another form of identification. So because I send more than 5,000 emails in a day, I am required to have this or my emails will not be delivered. To Again, to Gmail and Yahoo addresses only. That's who's, those are my recipients that are impacted by this. Now in my list, that's probably, I'm going to guess that's probably 70% of my list is Gmail and Yahoo addresses. So it's, it's a big deal. It's important. If you have a list of 1,000 people, or 2,000 people, and you email them once a week, this is not going to impact you because you're not sending more than 5,000 emails in a day. But if you do cross that threshold, so let's say you have an email list of 2,000 people and you decide on one day that you're having a special promotion and you're going to email them three times that day. So you're going to send 6,000 emails. 2,000 subscribers, three emails that day. You're going to send 6,000 emails that day. Even though you only ever send 2,000 emails a day, you will cross that threshold of 5,000 emails. And now you have to have these requirements in place because you've crossed it once. You can't go back. So once you cross that threshold, it's a forever thing. You have to meet these requirements or your emails will not be delivered. But this is really important. This change is supposed to take place on February 1st, but just like with the cookie thing where Google is is kind of doing this to 1% of Chrome users who are now have third-party cookies blocked, um, this email change is rolling out over time as well. And I have, oh, here's my notes. So February, starting in February you're going to start to see temporary error codes so they're going to be testing a small percentage of addresses and of those of that small percentage of email addresses if you are sending non what they call non compliant emails to them to those addresses then you're going to see a temporary error code they're going to they're going to flag it and they're going to say hey you're sending non compliant email you need to get your you need to get your DNS records in place Because we're going to stop delivering these emails in a few months. But the email is still going to go through. So this is happening in February. In April, they're going to up the, they're going to up the require, they're going to up the, they're going to up their game. They're they're going to change it up, right? So in April, a small percentage of your non compliant emails. So if you're still sending, if you're ignoring those error codes and you're still sending non compliant email, they're going to say, you know what? A small percentage of those, we're just not going to deliver them at all. So again, they're not saying all of them, just a small percentage of them. Then in June, they are implementing. And this, this date's been pushed back a couple of times, so it remains to be seen whether it will happen in June or not. But in June, they're going to implement the requirement that we have to have a one-click unsubscribe. So if you have ever tried to unsubscribe from a list, this really frustrates me. I get an email from somebody And I try to unsubscribe and I click the unsubscribe button and I have to enter my email address in order to unsubscribe. They know what my email address is. They sent me an email. They should be able to fill in my email address. I shouldn't have to do that. That really irritates me. So if you've ever experienced that, that is going away in June. You must be able to unsubscribe from an email with one click. And that's not on you as the email marketer to implement. That's on your email service provider. So that's on ConvertKit. That's on MailChimp. That's on MailerLite. That's their end of the deal. They have to implement that change, not you. And they're all aware of this. They're, they're, they're in the business of being compliant because they need their emails to get delivered too. So I wouldn't worry about that portion of it, but that doesn't happen until June anyway. So that's what I know so far. Again, these are these have always been best practices for email marketers. So this is nothing really new except with the addition of the one-click unsubscribe and the DMARC thing that, again, I don't know much about at this point. Other than that, these have always been best practices. They've always been things that you should be doing anyway and Gmail and Yahoo and Google Workspace is now just saying, you know what, these best practices that we've been telling you you should do for a long time, we're going to start enforcing it. And they're going to start enforcing it slowly starting next month. Nothing is going to, it's not a dramatic black or white, yes or no, big change happening on February 1st. It's rolling out slowly slowly. In February, they're going to start warning people, saying, mm, you're sending non-compliant emails, you better get your stuff together. In April, they'll, they'll start not delivering them, but again, just to a small percentage of their users. So that's what I know. I'm going to be doing some more research on this and recording a podcast episode on it tomorrow. So uh, watch your podcast app for that on Thursday. And hopefully by then I'll have figured out what this DMARC thing means. I I know what it means, I think. No, I don't know what it means. I didn't write it down. Anyway, I'll find that out and I'll let you guys know. All right. Lydia says, I don't have an audience or list to sell to yet. I'm working on an online course about job satisfaction, what are your thoughts about publishing my course on Udemy instead of on my own so I can leverage their audience? I like that idea. I think that's a really good idea. Uh, the course course supports multiple business goals, not only to generate some revenue, but also generate coaching clients and grow an audience. Yeah, I really like the idea of leveraging someone else's audience. I think Udemy is a good um, is a good place to do that for a course. You might also check out Gumroad. Apparently they sell courses too. Um, This goes for, this goes for really anything, anything that you want to sell. I have a, a coaching client who sells journals and I told her I thought that she should start putting her journals up on Etsy because they have a built-in audience and she doesn't have one yet. So any place that you can get in front of someone else's audience is a good, uh, is going to be a good move. You're not going to get rich selling on Udemy. Um, their courses tend to be pretty low cost but it is a good way to start building up your own audience to start building up your own list to you know to start building that brand awareness
3: i uh, noticed some rather expensive courses on gumroad
0: yeah more i, I was... once in a while i see i see uh higher cost courses on udemy too i don't know how common it is but it's interesting that gumroad has some more expensive ones I wonder if the more expensive courses on Gumroad are from people who have an audience and they're using Gumroad as their shopping cart. I I, I'm thinking of one YouTuber that I followed for a long time. I haven't watched his YouTubes in a long time, but uh, his name is Thomas Frank and he teaches productivity and um I know he had something on Gumroad that was that was higher ticket, but he also has about four million YouTube subscribers, so he's he's not wow. looking he's not looking to Gumroad to leverage their audience. He's just using it as a shopping cart. But that's good to know that that they do have some higher higher ticket stuff. Udemy sometimes feels like a a race to the bottom in terms of pricing, at least from what I've seen. Um, another option you might look at. Uh, Lydia is Skillshare. That's another place where, um, people don't buy individual courses on Skillshare. They, they have a Skillshare membership and then they can, um, they can watch whatever, whatever courses they want within their, within their membership. But it might be a good way to, um, kind of build up your brand awareness there as well. Janet says, I have too many ideas. How can I work through which are the best and maybe the most successful and then put the others on the back burner? My first question, Janet, Janet, is always going to be, which one sounds like the most fun? That's the one to start with. Do the one that you are most likely to actually do. This is an exercise that I do with all of my coaching clients because they all come to me with, You know, I've got five or six or 10 or 12 or 40 ideas. I've got, I've got a whole folder full of business ideas. So the question to answer first is which one sounds like the most fun? Which one do I, which one am I excited to get out of bed and work on every day? Which one am I not going to procrastinate on? Which one am I, you know, which one am I going to have the most ideas for promotion All of those things. That's the first place I would start. Then I would look at which one has the potential to be the most profitable. So you might think, well, you know, I really enjoy making bird cages out of tissue paper, you know, and I could teach people how to make bird cages out of tissue paper, but you may not be able to sell birdcage plans made with tissue paper. There might not be a market for that. So look at that secondarily. Which ones can you actually make money with? If you're looking to know um, which ones have the potential to be the most profitable, a quick Google search will tell you that. If there are other people selling what you want to sell, then there's potential there. If there's nobody selling what you want to sell, it's probably because there's no money to be made. There's no money in that market. So look for competition. Remember that competition is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. Don't avoid a market or avoid a product just because other people are doing it, because those other people are probably making money, and that's why they're doing it. All right. Look at that. It is almost straight up 12 o'clock in my world. Probably not where you are. Uh, but we are out of questions, so we're going to call it a day. Thank you guys for being here with me today. I appreciate you, Kurt. Thanks for stepping in and answering questions. Have a great day and I will talk to you all again next time.